Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Discerninghearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that faith's past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be with you. It is a delight to be with you today to speak about a very special, I don't want to say just an event because it's been a real journey. It's been more than a process. It's been more than just a way of establishing programs or anything like that. But I think it is a reflection of what's happening in the greater church around the world. It's rediscovering who we are and what our mission is, isn't it? Yes, Pope Francis. It encourages us to become missionary disciples. That's really the encouragement we have first from the Lord himself. And it didn't begin with Pope Francis. So really starting in modern times with Pope Paul VI, 1974, he, he published uh, this document on evangelization. I remember looking at it as a, as a young priest and being part of a study group, looking at it then. Uh, and the popes since then, up, up until now, have, have kept uh, reminding us gently, but, but firmly and consistently, that the church is the body of Christ on, on mission in our, in our current times been trying to respond to that invitation, that, that urging here in the Archdiocese. It's always been going on in some way, but focusing on it more recently. We realized that uh, there's been a significant transformation in, in our culture in recent decades, and that's had um, an effect on not just the culture in a general way, but on, on people in the, within the church. We realized that some of the institutions and programs, some of the approaches that we've taken to, to live the faith ourselves, but also share it with others, that those are no, no longer bearing fruit in the way that they once did. The things that were so useful in helping me, for example, when I was growing up, not just to be brought into the church in a, at a particular moment through baptism, but, but really to be raised in the faith and to, to be able to, to, to accept it uh, myself and, and take hold of it uh, by God's grace, that, that that's just not happening in the same way for people who are coming of age these days. We initiate, initiated a journey of faith in the in the Archdiocese, which we're participating in this year, which, which looks at how we approach parish life and how our parishes are structured and grouped and pastored, you might say. We began to focus on this particular segment of our uh, life in, in Christ when 
we came to realize that if, if we're going to move ahead with the church's mission, we found ourselves being weighed down by some things that really that have been so valuable over over many decades and lifetimes, but really now are become kind of a burden in terms of, of structures and programs and, and approaches. We uh, are trying in a number of different ways to um, move our parishes towards what we're calling a big goal of, of becoming missional communities within the next several years. Archbishop Lucas, during your time as the shepherd of the Archdiocese of Omaha, I have to say, just from my relationship with you and getting to know you and being guided by you in so many areas, it's been kind of stunning. I mean, it's it's as though that your response, along with the priests and so many others, of casting that net over the boat, oh, the, the other side of the boat, that casting the net, it reflected a decade and a half, almost two decades, with very concretely the work of the Institute of Priestly Formation, helping to form the priests and offering a greater awareness to the laity about the importance of priesthood. Uh, the mission of Spirit Catholic Radio and other broadcast outlets to get the call out there, even the work that you've done so uh, generously with Discerning Hearts and helping us through podcasting. But now it's time to reel in that net, isn't it? And the boat, it needs a little work where all those fish are coming in. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned several of those things because it is a very vibrant local church here. And and so we need to acknowledge that uh, we didn't just wake up a little while ago, and and have a great idea of how, about what the church should, should be. We receive the the faith uh, it, through in the church, and then we receive all of our beautiful traditions and everything that's gone before has been all part of part of God's providence. And there really are and, and have been in in recent decades some very powerful manifestations of the of the work of the Holy Spirit and the cooperation of of people to um, receive the the gospel and then share it. So in no way are, are we saying that we have to just blow up everything, you know, and, and, and start over. We build on, on what's happened before. But some of the things you mentioned, campus ministry would be another good example, you know, of things that have been stirring in the church in, in recent decades that help us think about how to live and, and share the gospel in, in a new way and, and the necessity of doing it. So not only thinking, well, if, if I have time, I'll be a missionary or, or I'll share the gospel, but that really is part of our, it's part of our nature, and we see it taking a number of different forms. And beautifully, um, some generous people in our in our archdiocese and beyond have, have been supporting these efforts. We're trying to, as you say, cast the net wider. So really make this an, an invitation to all of us in in our parishes to, to come closer to, to Jesus ourselves, to be formed in, in him, and then to be equipped to take the light of the gospel to others. Uh, we'll be patient, that we'll be really shaped by our prayer, our communication with the Lord, to give them the, the invitation and, in a sense, the reason to come or to come back. What was accomplished by the Archdiocese of Omaha recently was really quite extraordinary. It was a pastoral conference that had a centralized location, and yet it was able to use means of communication in which they were able to enter into every parish to have the great conversation, as it were, and experience of discerning. How do we move forward? What, what's prudential? How, how can we and listen more deeply to what God's prompting in us? This is a, was our third pastoral conference, third annual one. So our first one uh, was scheduled for the fall of 2020, and that was the, 
a time when we couldn't bring big groups of people together because of the pandemic. So we broadcast to individual parish sites. And the next year, felt that was probably still prudent. Well, then what we've realized is that we can reach many more people that way. Uh, folks don't have to travel. And we can have a sort of a hybrid experience of, of uh, broadcasting something live from a central location, but having groups in, in parishes that are also having an experience together, uh, making time in the schedule for um, reflection locally, you, you know, in, in the parishes. Th- th- this year we uh, expanded the invitation for, for participation. To, we wanted as many people as possible. Part of our hope was that we, uh, we could acquaint more of our parishioners with the journey of faith and then invite their support and, and participation of, of that in two ways. So as you said, the, the conference had a couple of aspects. So the, first, we, we wanted to share with everybody, again, we have to keep looking at it, I think, share our current reality, uh, th- that in so many categories we're experiencing a diminishment and that it's not, um, the faith is not automatically passing from one generation to the next or from one family member uh, to, to the next. So the, that's hard to look at that and hard to accept it, but we have to accept it. So it's, it's the reality. It's where we are. We have to live in the world we're living in. This is where Jesus has put us. But then the second part of the, of the conference, it kind of moved pretty quickly to some very beautiful witnesses, people answering the question, well, what could we do about it? And what could somebody like you or me do about it? Not just what's, what's, what's somebody going to do about it? And we heard from uh, people from an urban parish and people from a, a rural parish talk about their experience uh, on a small scale, we might say, person to person or in small groups, uh, creating an atmosphere of, of invitation and, and also welcome so that they could begin to experience in some small ways growth, if you want to call it that. Our um, aim shouldn't be primarily to grow our parishes for just to keep our parishes open or to make them bigger, but our aim should be to bring the light of Jesus Christ to, to people who are waiting to hear it and that's the way the church, that, that's the way the church grows, but very beautifully, you know, we could hear we heard from the witnesses how they reached out to others for their own sake, so that they could come to know the Lord, and it stirred something in the hearts of of others, warmed their hearts to to accept an invitation first to take a step, and then maybe another step, and then and an, an, another step. So, um, I I think, as you were saying before, we see some apostolates and movements who are are very missional in, in their outreach. And it gives us hope that 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 is possible. And then we hear the witnesses from, we might say, ordinary, good Catholics who who have um, become equipped to to do this in their parishes to to good uh, effect. What was striking to me in all of those witnesses and their expression of their reality was their first experience of Christ in their prayer life. The, the turning toward the Lord in a deeper way to help them to discern or to understand or to deepen their relationship with him, whatever that might have been, but it was always a response that came from their prayer first. And that's an important paradigm, isn't it? Yes, I'm, thank you for pointing it out. I had some remarks at the end of the, of the conference, and one of my remarks was, don't try this without prayer. So I really want us to do it, but, but we, we can't. Do it without prayer. There's a, a rhythm of the of the life of discipleship that's present in the original disciples whom Jesus called, and it's it's been really the key to understanding discipleship in every age. It, it is in ours, uh, the, and the first part of that is the invitation to come to Jesus. So Jesus called his disciples 
He's called you and me, continues to, to call others, and he wants us to be with him. And he wants us to know him. He wants us to hear his voice. So to hear it, uh, as he spoke in his public ministry, so we hear that in, in the Gospels. Also, though, the Lord wants us in quiet prayer to listen and to expect that he's going to show us something of, of himself and, and show us something of ourselves and help us understand how much we are loved by our Heavenly Father, how readily mercy is available, is, is offered to us, so that we can have the confidence that we have a relationship with the Lord and we have life in him. The second part of discipleship, though, it's, it's they, they go together. Having come to know the Lord, then he sends us out. And he gives every disciple a share in his mission. It's not our own mission, it's his, but we uh, live it in, in, our, in our particular circumstances. And he wants us to share what we know to be true with others, to, to share with other people how uh, our relationship with Jesus has changed us and, and how much it, it means to us. It's not so much telling other people what to do, but, but telling them what's possible because we've known it ourselves when, when we come to have a relationship with Jesus. So we go out of ourselves and look for ways to share that. Um, it's the second part. In, in some ways, that's a little it's scarier. I think actually we come to know the Lord in prayer. That sometimes is scary too, but it's challenging, you know, more than it's inviting a change. So we come to know the Lord ourselves and invites a change in us, and then he sends us out. And for many of us, that, that's a change too, that, that, that any one of us would think, well, Jesus is asking me to have an effect in the life of someone else that, that could lead them to come to know him and, and then to want to have life in, in him. So it's the coming to the Lord and, and the being sent out. That, that's the, the, the life of every disciple. But so back to your question, it's a long Long response, but back to your question, is it has to start in the relationship with Jesus, and that is nurtured and fostered in prayer, prayer with the church, but our own taking time day by day to be with him. We'll return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen.
Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I thought one of the most wonderful examples of all this was a young rural mother who, because of her duties as mom, as wife, could only find time in the very beginning to start with Scripture and with prayer. And she found diving into that in her personal prayer, it didn't passed me by when she said she prayed for three years like that, not unlike St. Paul, who many of us think once he was at his conversion was immediately out doing things. No, he went out into the desert for three years. But she had done that. It wasn't so much that she had planned to start a scripture study, a Bible study, but it just kind of flowed from her experience. Then she started inviting, and lo and behold, before she knew it, that a wonderful relationship with others in that bore a great fruitfulness for, for them and for her. Mm-hmm. In her prayer, she developed a confidence in, in the Lord and a confidence in herself that the Lord could, could really uh, use her. So for any of us, you know, we, we, we begin in prayer and we want to know the Lord better and we ask him to show us what, what he would like us to do to, to serve him and, and to share the light of the gospel. And we, I'm sure she was already doing it, in her home, with her family, and with friends, of course, living the gospel, living her faith, and sharing it. But but something that would have a greater impact, um, because of her circumstances, it wasn't possible right away, perhaps, but at, at a certain point, the Lord uh, helped her see, okay, now this is a possibility. You could invite some other people and have a, a Bible study. She took the Lord up on that urging and did it, and people responded. It's such a pleasant surprise. We hear it in so many witnesses of, of, of people these days that when they invite someone to participate in something, whether it's a prayer group, scripture study, a mom's group, it could be anything, that people say yes. There's, there's a real hunger for community first, to be with other people, uh, to share our lives with other people in an appropriate, an appropriate way. And of course, right at the heart of, the, of community for someone who believes in Jesus is the opportunity to introduce him introduce other people to him. Yeah, there was another witness of a young man who willingly shared with others that he had quite a, gently say, a checkered past and had relationships that were very wounded. He was a tough guy. And somehow someone came to him and invited him to have an experience in Christ. I mean, just to invite him to an a meeting. And not only was it his willingness, surprisingly so to him, 
to say, yes, I will come. But the risk and the, the perseverance of the one who kept inviting him. And it ended up making a dramatic change in his life. If we could reorient ourselves to, to this sense of invitation, it's a very powerful experience for the one who's inviting and, and for the one who's invited. So the, we had this experience in the Archdiocese. We have it all kinds of places, but last uh, Lent, we had an experience of Live Lent together, and, and there were uh, maybe 500 groups around the, the Archdiocese small groups who, who met, uh, often in homes just over the, uh, the weeks of Lent. But that came about because people were willing to serve as group leaders, and they were, received a little training. It was important training, but not too extensive on uh, how to facilitate a group. But it started with not a sign-up sheet, but it started with the group leaders inviting others to be, to be part of a, of a group uh, with them. And they had to, it took a little courage and prayer first uh, to think of who they might invite and then to kind of go out of themselves a little to, to make the invitation. So that was an experience of, of offering something to, to a, uh, another person for, the, for the, the Lord's sake. Had a great experience that so many people said yes because they had prayed about it first and with somebody they knew or cared about, the person said yes. So that was a great experience for the, the leader. But it was a great experience too for those who were invited because each of those persons was noticed. And somebody went out of themselves one by one, not just, a, as I said, a sign-up sheet, but individually to, to invite them to be part of this little community for, for a few weeks. The invitation meant a lot to them, and, and, and they said yes. So before the, the group even met, there was a beautiful dynamic that, that existed there that was deepened and enriched as, the, as they got to know each other better. And so I think that's part of the way forward for us. You know, there's no simple answer to how we become missional communities in, in our parishes. But we're, we're getting the sense as, as we try this more and more that it's going to happen on a smaller scale, person to person, uh, people being able to meet in groups, get to know each other, establish a, a community of trust and, and friendship where, where the Lord then can enter in. And we know grace builds on nature and, and where there are people who are, who are together and who begin to care about each other, notice each other. Why wouldn't the Lord want to be there with them? Part of that dynamic of relationship is not only an invitation to speak to someone or to share, but also to listen. Hopefully, through our prayer, we've learned and we have to listen and to the Lord in our prayer. But it's another thing to listen to an individual that's sitting across from us, even when it's something that we may be uncomfortable with at first. Yeah, so we try to take the initiative to let other people know that we know Jesus and we're willing to share our experience. Do that gently, respectfully. And sometimes it seems to have no effect, or maybe the people we're sharing that with aren't interested. But we heard witnesses at this conference, as as you said, where someone was gentle but persistent. And then on a certain day, when they received the grace to do it, the the person who, who had noticed that witness wanted to have a conversation back. You know, wanted to share something to their experience or ask a question or there was was an openness. If we approach this with prayer, then the Lord gives us patience uh, to to get on his time schedule, to, to be respectful of the, of the others that we're associating with, that we're, that, that we're sharing with. Don't try to rush something or try to beat somebody over that with, with something or make them feel like there's an imposition of, of some kind. But we create an, a, an openness and a care uh, for them. Not everybody will respond to that, but, but often there will be a response because so many people are hungering to be noticed and, and to have a safe 
place, a safe relationship where they could just be known with their faults. And again, we're not waiting for somebody to make a big public confession about their life right away, but just right as they, right as they are with us, whether that's a coworker or a neighbor, a, a family member. The statistics show, you know, that there are so many people in our, in our neighborhoods, in the counties in which we live in this archdiocese, so many people that have no church affiliation whatsoever. So they're hearing no preaching uh, of the gospel uh, regularly. They may or may not be reading the Bible. Many claim that, that they're not. So everything, all the input that they're getting is, a lot of it, I should say, is garbage. And it's not true. And, and it's a false idea of human life and dignity, a false idea of the human person, a denial of the existence of God or the power of God. That's just coming at us all the time. And it's a very, it's a very secular culture. When someone is willing to, to share a truth, truth has its own power and attraction with a neighbor, it stirs something in many people. Again, not in everybody, but, but, but in many, because they're not getting it. Uh, they're not overwhelmed with the truth. They're overwhelmed. We get overwhelmed these days with a lot of things that, that aren't true and that, that lead us away from our true destiny, our true life that God wants us to have in, in him. Just encourage us to think, you know, that we have a very fertile mission field in in front of us, but but it's big and it, and it's growing and it needs to be worked prayerfully, patiently. Part of that work was a call at the end of the conference to foster, in a way, at least a small group. It can be as small as two people. That's a group because the Lord is present then. But to begin to invite people to, to maybe coffee, to just to get together, to be able to have a conversation where not only things are shared by a person, but as you just said, but listened. We listen to one another. Right. We've had this experience in, in previous pastoral conferences. It's been, been successful. So the people who are at a, in a parish hall uh, watching this broadcast and then participating locally, we asked at every place that people around a table or six, eight people to, uh, to, who just pull their, their chairs together and schedule a couple of times, three times, I can't remember how many times we said, between now and the end of the calendar year, just times to get together again because they've had this experience together of prayer and of, of hearing this witness began to share a little bit locally about what this might look like in their life or, or, or in, the, in their, in their parish. We're not um, making people pledge to lifetime friendships or to do something at the same time every week for the rest of their lives, but maybe a couple of more times we could, now that we've been together, we, we could get together again for 90 minutes or so. We have a little guide for how to structure that session if, if that's helpful. So we try that, and then we see what happens. We're confident that the Holy Spirit is at work in all of us. Uh, and uh, if, if we get to know each other a little better in our parish community, we might have more confidence in how to move forward together and then how to go out in our own way to, sh- to share the faith with others. I've always appreciated the fact that you've emphasized the importance of prayer first. And I can't help but think of that gospel passage that, Jesus tells us to ask, seek, knock in regards to prayer. And a lot of times in the scripture, we don't appreciate because of the translation, isn't it, Archbishop, that it's not necessarily just ask once, but it's actually ask and keep asking, seek, keep seeking, knock, keep knocking. That's the actual translation of that scripture, isn't it? Yes, not because the Lord isn't paying attention, but because we might not be paying attention and we we might... Uh, think we know what we want or what's good. Uh, we might really want something good, but maybe the Lord wants something better, uh, something something different. So certainly, you know, we have family members, we have friends, maybe neighbors, you know, who we 
love them to have a closer relationship with the Lord. So I think we want to pray for them, ask uh, the Lord, and again, keep knocking, keep asking, what is it that you would like me to do for them? Show me an opportunity, give me the words, or help me be quiet if I'm supposed to be quiet and just just listen, you know, what what is it? And so over, you mentioned the woman who prayed for three years, you know, we we, we just keep praying. Invite the, uh, the, the Lord in to those relationships or, the, or those situations. And, and at a certain point, again, he's not playing games with us. At a certain point, he'll help us see how he wants to use us on behalf of that person. Or maybe it's going to be somebody else. You know, I, I, each of us uh, has people close to us who we'd like to be able to bring to, to a deeper faith. But maybe I'm not the person that can do that for them. Maybe the Lord has somebody else in mind who can do it for them. Maybe he's got me pegged for somebody else. So we, we, we want to see who that is in his plan. Um, and then really follow his his desire, his his promptings, and and he will give those to us. Don't hesitate to give encouragement that, that we begin and end this with prayer and and infuse it with, with 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 prayer all the way through, because it is the Lord's mission that we're called to to share, and it's it's not it's not our own. He has a vision for how the the gospel will be lived and and proclaimed in our time and, and place. We want to discern that, and then we want to be wholehearted in in participating. Any final thoughts, Archbishop Lucas? I feel like I'm repeating myself, but uh, but it's it's important to keep keep repeating. Remember this rhythm of discipleship. If we really want to be disciples of Jesus. We we need to be close to Him. He desires that too. I can assure you, He wants a deeper relationship with us than we have with Him so far. So there's more uh, to experience, and we experience that in prayer, our communal prayer, and our private prayer. Both are necessary. And in our prayer, we begin to discern how the Lord wants to use us in a more active way, in a practical way, to touch the lives of of others. So we're being drawn to him, and we're being sent out, whoever you are. If you're in some way responding to the Lord, that's that's the rhythm of life he has in mind for us, each in our own way or our our own vocation. So let's pray about that. Let's look for it, and then let's give ourselves to it. Amen. Thank you so much, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.